I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Numbers chapters 35 and 36. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. Now, Israel at this point is on the east side of the Jordan River preparing to enter into Canaan. And there's some housekeeping issues that need to take place. And so that's where we are in Numbers chapter 35, beginning with verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, Command the children of Israel that they give the Levites cities to dwell in from the inheritance of their possession, and you shall also give the Levites common land around the cities. They shall have the cities to dwell in, and their common land shall be for their cattle, for their herds, and for all their animals. The common land of the cities which you will give the Levites shall extend from the wall of the city outward a thousand cubits all around. And you shall measure outside the city on the east side 2,000 cubits, on the south side 2,000 cubits, on the west side 2,000 cubits, and on the north side 2,000 cubits. The city shall be in the middle. This shall belong to them as a common land for the cities. Now among the cities which you will give to the Levites, you shall appoint six cities of refuge to which a manslayer may flee. And to these you shall add 42 cities. So all the cities you will give to the Levites shall be forty-eight. These you shall give with their common land. And the cities which you will give shall be from the possession of the children of Israel. From the larger tribe you shall give many, from the smaller you shall give few. Each shall give some of its cities to the Levites in proportion to the inheritance that each receives. So here Moses continues to go over the plans for moving into Canaan. The Levites are going to be city dwellers. Those cities will be provided by each of the remaining 12 tribes spread throughout the soon-to-be-acquired land, along with the allotments already occupied by Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh. They'd be on the east side of the Jordan River. And they'll be given land outside the walls of their cities for the purpose of grazing their livestock. Altogether, there are to be 48 of these cities spread throughout the land. Larger tribes will provide more land for these cities than the smaller tribes. Six of the 48 cities, three east of the Jordan and three west of the Jordan, are to be designated as cities of refuge. The cities that were later selected are Bezer, Ramoth, Gilead, and Golan on the east side of the Jordan River, and Hebron, Shechem, and Kedesh on the west side. That's per Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 43, and Joshua chapter 20, verses 7 and 8, and also various scriptures in Joshua chapter 21. The specifications for circumstances whereby these cities can be used by fugitives, well, that's seen in verses 9 through 34, which we'll look at in a few moments. In addition to the area inside the city walls for the Levites, a prescribed area for each of these 48 cities was to be designated outside the walls for the purpose of grazing their cattle. The difference between the designations of 1,000 cubits in verse 4 and the 2,000 cubits in verse 5 is illustrated in a diagram that I've provided on the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today. You almost have to look at it in order to be able to visualize it. 
Mo both numbers, the 1,000 and the 2,000 cubits, both are correct, and you'll see if you look at the diagram. So here it is to be, just as Jacob had told Levi back in Genesis chapter 49, verse 7, when he said, I will divide them, meaning the tribe of Levi, I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Levi will not have their own tribal land award, but will be spread throughout Israel, just as Jacob had said. The irony of the whole situation regarding the fulfillment of Jacob's blessing is that the Levites end up fulfilling that blessing by Jacob in a totally unexpected fashion from probably what Jacob had in mind back then. They are a tribe of priests, prestigious priests. In verses 9 through 34, we see what you do if they're on your trail for murder. Verse 9, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall appoint cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation in judgment. And of the cities which you give, you shall have six cities of refuge. You shall appoint three cities on this side of the Jordan, and three cities you shall appoint in the land of Canaan, which will be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the children of Israel, for the stranger, and for the sojourner among them, that anyone who kills a person accidentally may flee there. But if he strikes him with an iron implement so that he dies, he's a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. And if he strikes him with a stone in the hand by which one could die, and he does die, he's a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. Or if he strikes him with a wooden hand weapon by which one could die, and he does die. He is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The avenger of blood himself shall put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. If he pushes him out of hatred or while lying in wait, hurls something at him so that he dies, or in enmity he strikes him with his hand so that he dies, the one who struck him shall surely be put to death. He is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. However, if he pushes him suddenly without enmity or throws anything at him without lying in wait, or uses a stone by which a man could die, throwing it at him without seeing him so that he dies, while he was not his enemy or seeking his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood according to these judgments. So the congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood, and the congregation shall return him to the city of refuge where he had fled, and he shall remain there until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. But if the manslayer at any time goes outside the limits of the city of refuge where he fled, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the limits of his city of refuge, and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood." because he should have remained in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer may return to the land of his possession. And these things shall be a statute of judgment to you throughout your generations and all your dwellings. Whoever kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the testimony of witnesses. But one witness is not sufficient testimony against a person for the death penalty." Moreover, you shall take no ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death, but he shall surely be put to death. And you shall take no ransom for him who has fled to his city of refuge, that he may return to dwell the land before the death of the priest. 
So you shall not pollute the land where you are, for blood defiles the land, and no atonement can be made for the land, for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. Therefore do not defile the land which you inhabit, in the midst of which I dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell among the children of Israel. Well, you better get out of town fast and head for one of those cities of refuge. There were six of them, three on each side of the Jordan River. Now these, by the way, these cities worked only if you committed an I-didn't-mean-to murder. I mean, one where it was just an accident. You still had to be tried, but you were supposed to be safe until the trial. Now, secular sources tell us that this is the way the law worked in that era among virtually all the nations. Blood relatives personally avenged the blood of their kin. We see provisions in verse 15 for the stranger as well as the Hebrew. Now, there's the principle of avenging one's kin in verse 19, where it says, The avenger of blood himself shall put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. That convention originated in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. That verse says, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. Well, if you committed a premeditated murder, well, then you're on your own. But what if it was an accident? Well, then you head for one of those cities, one of those cities of refuge, and ask for a trial. That's in verses 22 through 25. Well, at least you're safe until the trial. However... If they find you guilty of premeditated murder, the city provides no safety after that. But if found innocent of premeditated murder, then the city alone provides safety from one's avenger. That's in verses 26 and 27. Leave the city and you're on your own. One caveat, though, after the high priest dies, that accidental manslayer can go back to his own home and the avenger no longer has a right to avenge the death of his relative. Hmm. Now, if I were the high priest back then, I'd be a little cautious about accepting meals from these fugitives, you know, based on verse 28 here. An accused murderer could not be executed on the basis of just one eyewitness, according to verse 30. You'll notice in this chapter the general guidelines for determining manslaughter instead of premeditated murder. Even under the Mosaic law, determining guilt for capital murder is never easy, not ever. And remember the women of Israel, the daughters of Zelophehad, back from Numbers chapter 27? Well, they're back, verse 1 of chapter 36. Now, the chief fathers of the families of the children of Gilead, the son of Maker, the son of Manasseh, of the families of the sons of Joseph, came near and spoke before Moses and before the leaders, the chief fathers of the children of Israel. And they said, The Lord commanded my Lord Moses to give the land as an inheritance by lot to the children of Israel. And my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance of our brother Zelophehad to his daughters. Now, if they are married to any of the sons of the other tribes of the children of Israel, then their inheritance will be taken from the inheritance of our fathers, and it will be added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they marry. So it will be taken from the lot of our inheritance." And when the jubilee of the children of Israel comes, then their inheritance will be added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they marry. So their inheritance will be taken away from the inheritance of the tribe of our fathers. Then Moses commanded the children of Israel according to the word of the Lord, saying, What the tribe of the sons of Joseph speaks is right. This is what the Lord commands concerning the daughters of Zelophehad, saying, Let them marry whom they think best, but they may marry only within the family of their father's tribe. 
So the inheritance of the children of Israel shall not change hands from tribe to tribe, for every one of the children of Israel shall keep the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. And every daughter who possesses an inheritance in any of the children of Israel shall be the wife of one of the family of her father's tribe, so that the children of Israel each may possess the inheritance of his fathers. Thus no inheritance shall change hands from one tribe to another, but every tribe of the children of Israel shall keep its own inheritance. Just as the Lord commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zelophehad. For Melah, Tirzah, Haglah, Milcah, and Noah, the daughters of Zelophehad, were married to the sons of their father's brothers. They were married into the families of the children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in the tribe of their father's family. These are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded the children of Israel by the hand of Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Well, this is an addendum to an exception that was made back in Numbers chapter 27, verses 1 through 11. At that time, the daughters of Zelophehad, that was of the tribe of Manasseh, they'd come to Moses back then about an inequity. Their father had died in the wilderness, leaving no sons, just daughters. Moses decreed at that time that their father's inheritance when they occupied the land of Canaan would go to them. However, there is still a problem. The chief fathers want to protect the interest of the tribe of Manasseh here against the possibility of losing territory assigned to members of that tribe. So here are the stipulations that Moses adds to his previous ruling on the issue. Ordinarily, if these women married the men of another of the tribes of Israel, then their property rights would transfer over to that tribe. You'll recall that in the Jubilee year, all property reverted back to its original tribal families. Well, you can see the problem. Property awarded to these women on behalf of their father would end up in the hands of another tribe altogether if they were to marry someone from another tribe. Well, what's the solution here? Well, here it is. Cut down their field of eligible bachelors. Moses decrees that they'll only be allowed to marry someone within their own tribe, the tribe of Manasseh. Thus, in the year of Jubilee, the property remains with the original tribe. Problem solved. The daughters of Zelophehad, of the tribe of Manasseh, they receive their inheritance when they get over into Canaan in Joshua chapter 17, verses 1 through 18. So we're not finished hearing about them yet. And that brings us to the close of the book of Numbers. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.